welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. My guest today is Ian Burke. Ian is an associate professor in wheat science at Washington State University. His research program is focused on basic aspects of wheat biology and ecology, with the goal of integrating such information into practical and economical methods of managing weeds in the environment. Ian teaches the undergraduate courses in weed science and cropping systems. Hello, Ian. Hi, Drew. So, what do we know about herbicide resistance in jointed goat grass and downy brome? We're learning more every day. When I first began to receive reports about herbicide resistance in downy brome in particular, it was from northern Walla Walla counties. Uh, it's since expanded to most almost the entire production region. We have samples of downy brome that appear to re- resist one or more of the group two herbicides that we use to manage it. Uh, it's a, a growing problem. I think growers are just coming to terms with the amount of money that they're potentially wasting by applying herbicides, group two herbicides, to manage downy brome in these areas. And uh, I anticipate the problem going rapidly worse. I would say we're on the last few years of, of this technology. Jointed goat grass is a little bit different situation. Uh, we've only had one reported case of, of group two imazimox or beyond resistance in jointed goat grass. Uh, the grower is very proactive and, and is um, very um, collaborative with us and is working to eliminate the population from his, from his property. So uh, unless there's other cases out there that we don't know about, jointed goat grass resistance to, to the particularly to, to Amazomox or beyond, is, is quite limited. So I remember in the 90s back in Nebraska telling my growers we'll never be able to selectively take downy brome or jointed goat grass out of winter wheat. And then we came up with these group two herbicides that could do it for downy brome and clearfield wheat so we could take goat grass. But it looks like that technology, we might be getting to the end of that. We might have them go back to how we used to manage it before we had those. So what have we learned about the biology of downy brome that might help us do a little better job of that going forward. We've been working in my lab to understand vernalization traits as well as seed dormancy traits in downy brome, and we're learning a lot. Downy brome is the consummate avoider. Uh, so it comes up a little after the winter wheat in the fall, and it completes its life cycle well before the wheat begins to head in the spring. And we know that, for instance, it appears that we have brome that really doesn't need vernalization down in the southern part of the state and we have brome that needs more vernalization in the northern part of the state. And we suspect that it has the ability to adapt to a a changing climate and continue to avoid our inputs to manage it. The stuff that doesn't need vernalization is a really special case where I think in the spring, it's physiologically uh, tolerant to the herbicides we are applying uh, because it's such an advanced plant. Uh, when it comes to dormancy traits, you know, the conventional thinking among the weed scientists that I have interacted with is that the seed doesn't last very long in the soil. Uh, that if we manage the seed bank well, and ostensibly these group two herbicides were supposed to allow us to do that, that we would um, we would manage downy brown to extinction, extinction, and sure, that hasn't happened. So what I suspect we have here is a 
a really complex set of, of seed dormancy scenarios combined with a much longer seed longevity in the seed bank than we anticipated. And we need to begin to understand how to rotate out of wheat and deploy some more effective strategies um, for managing downy brome. So downy brome, uh, a little less so goat grass, but both of them tend to be more problem in our winter wheat fallow areas, our low rainfall areas. So what options do we have for rotational crops and other management practices in that environment, which is a fairly difficult environment to be controlling these winter annual grasses? Historically, it's been the the competitiveness of the wheat that's really been to our benefit. So wheat germinates and emerges in those fallow systems. Uh, we, you know, we'll plant in August, early September, and get a stand well before the downy brome really begins to germinate in October and November. And it's so the wheat's pretty resilient to the competition. You know, it can occur. I've seen instances where it had significant densities of brome cause some yield loss for, for the most part. Uh, it's likely just an annoyance that sticks up out of the canopy and interferes with harvest. Uh, that said, if it does emerge with the wheat, it can be significant damage, uh, often as much as 90% yield loss. Um, the same holds true for jointed go grass. If it all comes up with that wheat, um, then it'll cause some injury. Rotational crops that appear to be viable include, uh, of course, there's always the spring uh, wheat rotation where you are able to manage those winter annuals uh, in, the, in the winter. Of course, there's a yield loss associated with that as well. More promising, in my opinion, is uh, a rotation to winter pea. Uh, winter pea forms a pretty early dense canopy in the joint goat grass and um, downy brome to a lesser extent don't appear to compete as well with it. And we have different herbicide technologies that we can deploy there. And then there's always uh, winter canola, which is a little bit higher risk to get established and through the winter, but um, could potentially provide uh, additional technologies for herbicides there as well. Uh, either case, winter pea, winter canola, or another broadleaf crop, in my view, is a, a more viable option than, than – and it should be something growers at least try to become familiar with to use in the future so that they can have that option when they need to. Uh, one of the new technologies I'm uh, starting to hear a little bit about is uh, coaxium wheat, uh, where it's uh, got resistance to a, a ACCase group 1 ACCase inhibitor herbicide, a group one herbicide. Do you think that will play a role in, in trying to control some of these weeds that we can no longer seem to control so well with group two or the ALS inhibitors? I, I have mixed feelings about that technology. Uh, you know, historically, we used an old product called Holon to control downy brome. In fact, it was one of the first herbicides introduced for the management of, of downy brome. Uh, that actually had some selectivity. And it, I know there might be a few that still remember it. It's an old group one ACCase inhibitor. And so if, um, if, if that technology was used in a grower's operation for uh, quite a few years, then the likelihood that there exists on your property an ACCase resistant downy brome is potentially high. Uh, Dan Ball, uh, the former weed scientist down at Pendleton, documented ACCase resistant downy brome in Oregon. So we know it can happen. It was resistant to hold on. Uh, we also have those broadleaf crops I just mentioned where we can use the same ACCAs inhibiting herbicides um, and achieve the same selectivity. So uh, I think growers 
should view that technology as maybe a time extension tool to get you a couple extra seasons of wheat where you might need it. Um, we know that that ACCA's mode of action is highly su susceptible to resistance development, and uh, it's nothing more than a stopgap. So growers should be prepared to diversify through crop rotation and deployment of those technologies rather than maybe picking one of these herbicide-resistant this herbicide-resistant wheat system to the ACCA's inhibitors. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, we're getting this after we've kind of burned through the group twos. It would have been nice to have be able to rotate between the two while they were both still effective. Um, but at this stage, I, I tend to agree it's probably just extending the, the inevitable and that these other more ecological, more uh, management strategies might be uh, what we're going to have to go back to here. Uh, one of the things we know about uh, herbicide resistance is that based on some really good recent research, mixing two different herbicide modes of action that both have activity on the same weed uh, is a good resistance management strategy rather than rotation of herbicide modes of action. And the really frustrating thing about that bit of data is that the group two herbicides don't mix well with the group one herbicides. And so we're really stuck, even with these new technologies coming along, the coaxium wheat are rotating to a, a broadleaf, that group one herbicide has to go in the tank by itself. And uh, so we can't take advantage of that new knowledge in, in managing these herbicide-resistant weeds. And I agree, if having both of these technologies would have been better, but they're, not, they're still not compatible. Okay. Well, herbicide resistance and these winter annual grassy weeds aren't going away. And I look forward to uh, hearing more about uh, weed control efforts and the work you're doing in a future episode of the Wheat Beat Podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Ian. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. Subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.